From the Lexington Herald-Leader at Kentucky.com, this is sports columnist John Clay. It is Tuesday, June the 9th, 2020, and you're not going to believe this, but after talking to Josh Moore for a football podcast yesterday, we're going to have another podcast today. Uh, today, we're going to talk to Ben Roberts, my uh, colleague and friend from the Herald-Leader who covers UK basketball recruiting. We're going to talk about Kay Cunningham. We're going to talk about Musa Sisse. We're going to talk about Jonathan Kaminga. We're going to talk about... Uh, whether Olivier Saar, his chances of getting eligible, uh, those subjects and more uh, in my conversation with Ben Roberts. Let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it with Ben Roberts of the Herald-Leader. Okay, my guest on the podcast is Ben Roberts, UK recruiting extraordinaire for the guru. Let's call him a guru, as GCM used to say, uh, for the Herald-Leader. How's pandemic going for you, Ben? I get, or are we out of pandemic? I uh, know. I think we're still in pandemic. We or at least we are over. We are over here. Yeah, you, we are at your household. Yeah, we're is, still. Yeah, is your lovely daughter, young daughter, treating it like a pandemic? How she survived the pandemic? Uh, she has not dialed her energy down at all to <laughs> to compensate for our own energy levels. So it's, she's she's a lot, as they say. <laughs> between her and uh, the dog, between. Annette and Frankie, who's handling it the best between the two? Uh, probably, probably the dog because everybody's home, so she gets to just she's in here right now, just sleeping in her bed. Really? Okay. Next to my desk, so she's she's that's, got a pretty good life right now. Yeah, that's what everybody said. The dogs are uh, the dogs love it because their owners are at home. And they're going to have to put them through doggy therapy when uh, people go back to work. Yeah, that that'll be tough. Although I usually work from home anyway, unless yeah. I'm traveling, so she's yeah. she's kind of used to that. Okay, okay. Well, enough about that. Uh, people didn't tune in to hear about our dog stories and pandemic stories. They they tuned in. If they tune in, they're going to tune in to hear about Cade Cunningham, the number one prospect in the. Uh, uh, this class of two, this 2020, Oklahoma 2020, State. Yeah. Now Oklahoma State's hit, uh, got hit with the hammer by the NCAA no postseason. The big question is: Is Kay Cunningham going to leave Oklahoma State? And if he leaves Oklahoma State, could he come to Kentucky? I know you have written about this for Kentucky.com. What What are your feelings on this subject? Yeah, I think it's still a little up in the air, uh, you know, because obviously he just got this news and Oklahoma State just got this news uh, Friday, so a few days ago. And I, I think everybody, obviously they were mentioned and one of their former assistants was arrested in the original roundup of the, the federal investigation into corruption in college basketball back three years ago. So they've been in the news and all this, but, you know, it's a – the, the current staff didn't have any ties to it. The current players didn't have any ties to it. Kate Cunningham certainly didn't have any ties to it. So I think everybody was kind of operating on the idea that, you know, they might get some some minor penalties for what happened, but certainly nothing close to a postseason ban. So I, I think this really came, or I know this came as a, a huge shock to both Kate and, and the Oklahoma State uh, program. Um, so I think – we, we just we might just now be in that kind of period of the shock starting to wear off and and okay what are the options going to be uh, I did think it was interesting that that uh, their head coach Mike Boynton put out the or, or told reporters on Friday right after it happened that he was going to help work with Cade to to look at any options that he wanted to do and he specifically mentioned going to another university. Um, which you usually don't hear so quickly in in such cases so I think that's definitely on the table. I think uh, going pro is, is definitely on the table, um, whether it be overseas or, or the G League's program. 
And I think staying at Oklahoma State might actually be the most likely outcome to all this, um, just because Kate's brother is an assistant coach at Oklahoma State. I think that was a big reason, probably the primary reason that he originally committed to them and signed with them. Um, and in that time, he's he's really uh, formed a really close bond with with Coach Boyton and the rest of the players on, I, I, in that program. So I think. I think he sees that, you know, if he were to stick with them, you know, he doesn't get to play in the NCAA tournament as a freshman, but I think he'd be like the mayor of Stillwater for life. If, if he were to, if he were to play this season with them, he's still going to be the number one, or he's still going to have a chance to be the number one pick in the NBA draft next year. And honestly, I know in his mind, he probably thought he could maybe take them to a, a final four or turn them into a, a really good team, but they weren't on, any of these preseason top 25 lists, even with Cade Cunningham, they, I think Joe Lenardi had him as a seven seed in his most recent bracketology. So it's not like there were national title expectations here. Uh, I think everybody going into this situation kind of knew the most realistic possibility would be a, maybe we make the NCAA tournament, um, but we're not going to go very, very far if we do that. So uh, I, I, obviously I think this changes the way he thinks about it, but, once he weighs all his options, uh, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if, if he just stuck it out there. How good is he? He's uh, he's, you know, some of these recruiting analysts uh, they've described him as as a Swiss Army knife. Um, and there was a just because he can do so many things, and and there was a real hesitancy with with a lot of the. A lot of the national analysts until maybe a year or so ago, um, he often played point. He played on the ball, but he was six six. He kind of had a bigger body. Uh, so they said, okay, you know, he's the best player on the team. That's why he gets the ball. He's not a point guard. And then the more and more and more people saw him play and saw him play in highly competitive situations, they finally came around to the idea that, yes, he's a point guard. He's a very good point guard, and he's a guy who can play uh, point guard in the NBA. And that's really when his, I mean, he's always been highly touted, but that's really when he, he rose into that conversation for being the number one player in America, being a potential number one NBA draft pick. And at the college level, I think um, not only can he play point and that would be his best position, but he's such a mismatch and so skilled and has such a high IQ in other areas that you could make him like a, a small ball four. If you had a, if you had a smaller guy on him, you could send him down to the block and have him post up guys. And especially if, if, you know, in a dream scenario for Kentucky, if he were to come to a place like UK and you had a, a kid like Devin Askew who, who can also play the point or Davion Mintz, it's just one more piece that you could kind of move around the floor and, and just really take advantage of, of some mismatches and, and some, some different defenses. So you say dream scenario, uh, so chances of Kentucky getting him what slim to none? I would say maybe a little higher than slim to none. I I kind of checked around uh, Monday of this week, and I didn't really get any sense that there's been a whole lot of communication actually between Kate and, and Kentucky to this point. Um, again, that that might just be kind of the him trying to figure out what he wants to do and and what direction he wants to go in. I'm positive if he picked up the phone and, and called John Calipari or, or called Tony Barbie, who, who was his primary recruiter during the original recruitment here and said, Hey, yeah. Oh yeah. They'd answer the call. I mean, he's, 
he's he would be one of their i mean he'd be one of the best recruits i, I think in the calipari era which is obviously saying everything saying a ton um and he's a guy that like i said he, he's so versatile um that, that i think you can plug him into a lot of different situations and he's a guy who doesn't disrupt the roster if he were to come in this late in a lot of cases when you see these reclasses um you know they've they've spent time forming this roster to to see what it's going to look like you throw in even a really talented guy that could kind of throw off some of the dynamic but the whole all of last summer and fall they were selling to Cade and selling to Devin Askew that we want to play you two guys together and this is when they had Brandon Boston and Terrence Clark already in the fold so they had a plan for Cade Cunningham and Devin Askew and, and those other two top 10 recruits to all play together. And everybody was all in on that plan. Um, so I, I think if he were to come aboard this late, it, it doesn't disrupt anything on that end and it just makes them an, an even better team. Um, but I'm, I think, I don't want to say long shot, but, it, but unless something changes here in the, the next little bit, I, I don't foresee that happening, but I, I certainly wouldn't write it off. Okay, so now that you've burst our bubble on him, what about uh, Musa Sisse? Is that my pronouncing it correctly? Sisse? Yeah, Musa Sisse, yeah. Sisse. I like that. Uh, Sisse, that's good. Okay, what's the deal with this guy? Uh, he, was he not going to go anywhere and now he may go somewhere? What, is that the story on him? Yeah, he was supposed to announce last week. and he, He's a big really, guy, I mean, right? He's a big yeah, guy. Yeah, 6'10. Um, he's not. He's kind. Of, he's not. I wouldn't call him thin at all, but he's not like a, a big, big body. But he's a. He's a good. He's six ten and with a, with a good college body and just a tremendous shot blocker. Um, a guy that you know, talking to some people uh, that have seen him play a lot more than me, have brought up Nerland's Noel comparisons, and and these are people who know you know what that means and 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 take that seriously that that he can be that good of a shot blocker in his first year of college. Um. But, you know, he's always listed Kentucky. As far as I've been told, he's always really liked Kentucky. Um, but LSU, for really the last few months, has been seen as a major, major favorite. Going into what was supposed to be the announcement last week, they were seen as as definitely the school to beat. Um, he says he, he postponed that announcement uh, because of everything going on. That's a lot more important than basketball right now. Uh, and just thought it was, you know, didn't really want to want to throw a, a college commitment out there, uh, and, and just didn't didn't think this was the right time for it. Um, so I, as of right now, everybody still expecting him to go to LSU. Now, a lot of people are also still expecting LSU to get some notice from the NCAA here coming up, and if if Musa doesn't make any sort of announcement before that happens, then I think things could get really interesting. Um, a lot of people saw Memphis as a, as a possible second pick. He moved from New York to Memphis last year, uh, became really close with, with Penny Hardaway in that program, but he has always really liked Kentucky. Uh, Olivier Sarr's situation is still up in the air. He's a guy who could come in and, and be a starting center right away for a, a final four caliber team. So I still expect him to pick LSU sometime soon, but if that doesn't happen, um, that, that one could get really interesting. I, I think over the next over the next uh, few weeks, if it lasts that long. 
You, when you say LSU might get a notice from the NCAA just about what a great job Will Wade's been doing, is that the kind of notice <laughs> yeah. you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, something like that, something like that. I mean, Dick Vitale says they've already gotten the notice. This would be the notice of allegations from the uh, NCAA, yeah, which everybody think, expects them to get. LSU's denied that they have received it, but I think everybody pretty much knows they're if they haven't received it, they're going to. They're they're going to sometime in the in the very near future. Um, I think they're going to be from what I've been told they're going to be in that next wave of, of schools who get it and you know going back to oklahoma state if oklahoma state what got what they got for for what they did right. you, they you know talking to people they cooperated and there was nobody currently on i mean boyton served as, as an assistant with lamont evans the, the assistant who was arrested but boyton had nobody ever accused boyton of any sort of wrongdoing and they right. they got rid of evans uh after he was arrested you know, they're in that situation. They're penalizing people who who didn't really have anything to do with it. Right. When you get to the LSU's and some of these other schools, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they said if if Oklahoma State got what they got for for what they were alleged uh, to have done, you're going to see or you should see penalties that are tenfold for some of these other schools, which which would get into some major major uh, uh, you know uh, right. penalties if we're talking about that. Right, because because uh, LSU is stuck by Will Wade despite the uh, wiretaps where he uh, caught him saying some uh, incriminating things, and Arizona is stuck by Sean Miller even though uh, you know the NCAA investigation and a lot of stuff has come out about Arizona, and then you got Kansas is uh, well found out last night it's been uh, Kansas's cases. Uh, Kansas has accepted that it will be referred from the Committee of Infractions to the independent, who and the name escapes me now, but an independent body outside the Committee of Infractions, which will basically decide the case. But Kansas has fight back. Louisville's going to basically said they're going to fight back. So, yeah, we're going to have a lot of, uh, uh, although there's no balls bouncing on the court, there's a lot of off-the-court stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of schools that, that again, either have, you know, in, in a lot of those cases you mentioned with, with LSU, Arizona, Kansas, those those are staffs that, that the, the alleged wrongdoing happened under. And He's even Louisville, there. even though it had even though it had nothing to do with Chris Mack, even though the president's gone, the AD's gone, it, it's a completely full slate or a, a completely different crew. I, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday about them, and, and they are a repeat offender, and the NCAA is not just going to turn the other way and say, oh, right. you got all new people, everything's fine. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 going to be an across-the-board thing with these schools that, that were implicated. And if the Oklahoma State uh, penalties are, are any indication, there's going to be some some really heavy stuff coming now. Yeah. Okay, there's one other guy, one of the recruit guys popped up here that we want to talk about, and that's Jonathan Kuminga who may or may not be reclassifying. And if he does reclassify, what does that mean for Kentucky? What, what do we know about him? He's, he's another big guy, right? Remember yeah. Him? Well, he's, he's six, eight, um, oh. he's six, eight and a strong kid, but he's, he could play anywhere he wants to, okay. especially in college. And, and when he's playing like in the Nike leagues, when he's playing in high school, I mean, he's just that guy that, that just owns the floor and can, can do whatever you want him to do, whether it be handle the ball and, and distribute or, or he can even go down to play the five because he's just, he's just so good and, and can use his size to his advantage and, and knows how to score with bigger guys. But um, yeah, I think for, if he were to go to college, I think he's looking to play more of a, more of a perimeter wing, maybe more of a three position. Um 
and could obviously be used in, in all sorts of manners in college too. Uh, he's also got the G league on his list. Um, you know, I, he's long been rumored. I mean, we're talking for over a year to, to reclassify into 2020 and, and move on from high school. And over the weekend, his, uh, his New Jersey high school included him in their graduation ceremony video, which made the rounds. Um, and he hasn't actually, as of Tuesday at two o'clock, he hasn't said for sure, I'm going to be in 2020, but it's clear that that's, that's what he's going to end up doing ultimately. So I think it comes down to the G league or college, obviously. And, uh, it sounds like, I think Texas tech was probably in the best spot. If he goes to college, his, his older brother transferred in there last year, he'll be eligible to play this season. Um, they've done a really good job recruiting him. Um, Auburn's gotten a lot of buzz, but again, they're another one of those schools that, that, um, you know, could be hearing some news, uh, in the not too distant future from the NCAA. No, and not Duke. Auburn. <laughs> Auburn Duke and too? Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, I thought the NCAA yeah, would have forgot not. all about that Chuck Person <laughs> stuff by now. It's been so long. Yeah. Um, and then Duke and Kentucky are also on the list, but I, it just, there hasn't really been much buzz for either of those schools in the last few months. And I, uh, Kentucky, uh, they already have Terrence Clark and BJ Boston. Um, so you're adding another, I mean, any school would love to have Jonathan Kaminga, but uh, they, they've got a lot of firepower already. Uh, I think Texas tech kind of could, could showcase him more. And, and obviously he'd be more familiar with, with the team just because his brother being there. But um, there's also a lot, and this isn't recent. There's, there's been a lot of talk that he might have some trouble getting eligible to play college basketball next season. Um, and that's where the G league comes in. And when they announced this whole new revamped program about paying kids and having to play some games and doing instruction and basically training up to, to next year's draft, uh, in a more structured environment, I mean, Jonathan Camille kind of kind of fits that to a T. I, I think he'd be a, a perfect fit for that program, and he's a kid who, I mean, he could be the number one pick in next year's NBA draft easily. I, I think he'll be a top five pick, um, you know, somewhere in that range. So I think he would fit well into that program. I, I think if I were to predict one right now, I, I think that's the way he goes. Um, and if he if he ends up going to college, I, I just I would be kind of surprised if, if he ended up playing for Kentucky. Okay, well, let's circle back to something you mentioned earlier about Olivier Sar. Okay, we're gonna uh, we're waiting to see, you know, if he's going to be eligible next year. Have you heard anything more pro or con about what people think his chances are? And if he doesn't get the waiver to play next year, is he going to wait around and, and play the the at Kentucky the year after, or will he just go on to the NBA? Yeah, there's. If he doesn't get the waiver, he's already said he's going to look at at, um, at professional options right away. And I think you have to take him at his at his word on that. And he, you know, he's originally from France. He he grew up there. Um, that's where he was until he came over here and played college basketball. So he's very familiar. Uh, you know, with living over there, I mean, he, he could easily go in and play in Europe for a season and then come back and, and try to try to enter the next year's NBA draft if, if he wanted to do that or just, you know, stay in Europe and, and have a professional uh, what I would assume would be a lengthy professional career over there. So, yeah, if he doesn't get that waiver, uh, I would be shocked if, if he stuck around uh, for a year just just to play the following season. Um, I Things have been pretty mum uh it's 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 hard to get much information on kind of or legitimate information on 
what might happen with his waiver. Um, and I think that's just because, you know, this isn't like a recruitment where you can figure out who's in a kid's ear or really get a good sense for which way a kid might be leaning. This is all in the hands of, of the NCAA and their review process. And they're going to be the decision makers on this. And they're not sitting there in Indianapolis, like texting people like, Oh, I, I got this star case. I think we're going to, I think we're going to approve it. Or I, I'm, I'm liking the not way this texting looks. you and saying, Ben, what do you think about this? Yeah. So I, your input, I, Ben, what do you think? Yeah. So, uh, but I do think that a lot of the other stuff that's happened so far this spring um, with Johnny Jazane getting his waiver so quickly, um, some some of this other stuff that, that's gone on that I, I think I, I would be – I guess I wouldn't be surprised, but I, I think he ultimately gets the waiver. Um, I, I think there's going to be too much – They've already said they're going to be lenient with these transfer waivers in general uh, this offseason. And on top of that, even though there's no precedent for his case specifically, there's already a pretty overwhelming, um, uh, pretty overwhelming voices with people like Jay Billis and Dick Vitale and, and some other leaders in college basketball saying, hey, you know, it wouldn't be fair to make this kid sit. He's done everything right. He's a good student. His coach left under circumstances we haven't really seen before just let the kid play and if he were to get turned down on the original go-through Kentucky's obviously going to appeal to to the next level and I think if he gets turned down on that that original run through that's only going to be amplified you're going to hear more voices you're, you're going to you're going to hear more of these people these top people in college basketball saying hey NCAA let's use some common sense here and and, and let them play yeah, when, I mean, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago, and it was pointed, and I didn't really get into this in my column, but it was pointed out to me uh, afterwards, and this is true. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of times when it happens in the NCAA, kind of behind the scenes things, a lot depends uh, depends on how the school the kid is transferring from feels about it. In some yeah. cases, uh, I think this has been true from my understanding, especially in some of the women's basketball cases and in men's basketball as well, there were some accusations, behind-the-scenes accusations of tampering and the kid was contacted before he even put his name in the transfer portal, stuff like that. So the school that where the kid was originally playing was not that happy to, about how things transpired going to the new school. Yeah, there's no evidence of that in Sars' case. I mean, nobody even knew he was leaving until uh, Danny Manning got fired. It wasn't like he put his name in the transfer portal before that happened. I think a lot of people thought he might, you know, you know, go go ahead and turn pro. So, yeah, uh, yeah I think probably a lot would have to depend on Wake Forest if they're fighting it. If I, you know, I know Steve Forbes made Kentucky fans mad by what he said. Um, I know Steve a little bit from the standpoint. I met him at a, a Final Four a few years ago. He's a really funny guy. He's a great outgoing guy. I think he's a heck of a coach. I think he, you know, he, <laughs> but he'll say anything. So I don't think yeah. he really meant it as a complete slam on Kentucky. I think he'd just say anything. So I can't imagine he's fighting it that bad, but fighting it fiercely. But who knows? I may be wrong. But I, I don't see that in this case where that really comes into play. Yeah, and I, I from what I've been told is he he is gonna um, 
not uh, it's not work on UK's behalf, but but yeah, yes, be, be throw up a roadblock. He's no, he's not going to throw up a roadblock. He's going to be supportive of, of Olivia getting this waiver. And um, yeah, I know he did turn off some Kentucky fans with the with the stuff he said when he was trying to keep Olivier at Wake Forest. Um, but he also, I don't have the quotes in front of me, but I remember when he came to Rupp as an opposing coach, he had some really great things to say about about the program. That, oh, was yeah. that this past season or a couple of years ago? Right, I, I, right. I just remember that press conference that he was very complimentary. And also, like just from a, you know, just from a logical standpoint, do you, you're taking over your first high major coaching job. Do you want to start that off by being the guy who who blocks a former right. player from doing something he wants to do? I mean, that's a that would be a terrible precedent to set. Right. Uh, college coaches that he would be recruiting against in the future are, would bring that up if that happened. So he has every reason to to play ball here and just let Olivier do what he wants to do. And then you know, on top of that, if if the NCAA wants to talk to Danny Manning about it, it sounds like Danny Manning would would you know, back up everything that Olivier said about the timetable and, and, and Danny, you know, convincing him to come back to play for him for another year, that that was his best route to a better NBA career. And that's where, you know, there isn't that precedent of people try to bring up, Oh, well, this kid's coach left and he got an immediate transfer waiver. There's always another, there's always something else. It's usually because the kids transferring closer to their home right. or the new coach doesn't says basically there's no, room for you here and is willing to tell the NCAA that as well. And neither one of those applies to Olivier, but we haven't seen something quite like the way Manning was fired right before the draft deadline after trying, after talking him into coming back. And, you know, I just, I, just, I think the NCAA is going to just be in a more general forgiving mood with these transfer waivers. And and I think that really all, all of the, you know, any one thing maybe doesn't get it, but all this stuff put together, I think really works in Sar's favor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to talk about before I let you go here, Ben? Um, no, I think that about covers it for the near future. It sounds like, uh, you know, we might be getting, I was told today that obviously we haven't had any recruiting events, uh, you know, due to, due to the coronavirus pandemic, um, this spring and summer, usually this is about the busiest time of year for, for people like me, but I was told this morning that we should be getting an announcement next, next week that confirms that, we're going to have some evaluation periods where college coaches can get back on the road uh, in August and September. And it sounds like there's going to be like four weekends um, where college coaches can actually be in the gyms. Like it, it's a little, this is still in the final proposal realm. It hasn't been approved by the NCAA yet, but the, the feeling is that it's going to be, and they're going to be announced early next week. We still don't know exactly what these are going to look like. We don't Nike UIBL has already said, we're not having our league this year. There's no peach jam. So some of this more, you know, the stuff that's more put together, uh, that's more structured that we've seen in past years, we're not going to have. Um, so I don't know if it's going to be more independently run events or if some of these former would be Nike teams will, will still get together and have little mini tournaments or, or what. But I, I think it is, you know, it, it's, it's good, especially for a team like Kentucky that, that, in August and September, Cal and, and some of these assistants can actually get in and, and see some guys in person and, and really start to zero in on who this next wave is going to be in, in the 21 class. So what when right now the dead period has been extended to when? July 31st is still oh, is extended July through. 31st. Yeah. Um, and the kind of the thinking, 
I know college coaches want to want to get out and see kids in person, um, especially this 21 class. Like Kentucky only has four offers out for the 2021 class right now. Usually by the stage they, they'd have double or maybe even triple that. Uh, but at the same time, they didn't want the current college kids, the kids who are going to play college basketball this coming season, to get on campus. And then 24 hours later, all the coaches leave town to go recruit. Um, so I, I think the NCAA and the coaches have been working together to try to figure out, okay, if we can get kids on in late June, you can have a month with them to where you can kind of build that structure. And this is especially true in a place like Kentucky where you're going to have 10 new faces um, it's going to be basically a whole new team and most of them freshmen. So you want that structure to be there about, you know, this is how we do things. We're here. If you, you know, if you have any problems, we're, we're helping you get through this little, this first period. And then we go out and recruit as opposed to, all right, all you guys are, are on your own. We're, you know, here's, there's where the gym is. There's where that is. And we'll see you in, yeah, good in, uh, in a month or so. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think they've done a good job assuming all this goes through of, of trying to, trying to check both boxes to where the college coaches some, can, can get some time with their, their current kids, but at the same time, uh, get some valuable time to go out and, and, and recruit this, this summer. And it looks like even into the fall. Well, uh, when that happens, Ben will be uh, all over it on uh, Kentucky.com and on his uh, next Skets blog. And on you can follow him on Twitter. It's uh, Ben Roberts HL. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yep. That's it. So be sure and check all that out. Uh, ben, We always it's always great to have you on the podcast. We appreciate your time. And uh, stay safe till we till we till we're fully back. Have you gotten yes. out much at all? No, not much. I mean, we go for walks around here and, and do stuff like that, but it's That's basically just grocery shopping and yeah, not too much else. It's a war zone in the grocery. That's what I've heard. Yes, it is. I've only done it once. My my wife does it, and she's it's it's a war zone out there. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's better than it was, so that's good. Yeah, so yeah. Do you, one last thing. Do you have any fears that we might not have a college basketball season? Yeah, I mean, I'm still not convinced that, that there's going to – be a season uh you know okay we're gonna have to cut you off if you're gonna be negative about it. No, go ahead. no i mean I, I, I mean we're all talking about college football i read a thing where bob bowlsby the big 12 commissioner he kind of talked like he's more concerned about college basketball because of the second wave and you're going to have fans in everybody's going to be inside instead of outside yeah and i don't think people have really thought about that but i don't think we're out of the woods on that yeah, the whole indoor versus outdoor thing, and 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 yeah, just getting into the the fall and the winter, it's it sounds like it could be uh it could kind of be a, back an uptick, and you know it, and you know if this thing is still around and as severe as it is, uh, you know yeah. what what happens if if somebody on a team gets it and is that are we back into where that team's quarantined for two or are they missing games? There's just so many different variables that we don't know about and. Oh, and and pro- probably won't know about anytime soon. Um, oh, I know. And and, and um, I'm sure college football and these guys getting out there for workouts will will kind of see what happens, I right. guess. So hopefully, right. hopefully everything goes well and right. and uh, nothing bad happens. No, right? Yeah, football. UK football came back on uh, Monday. We got to talk to Josh Pascal earlier today, and uh, yeah, I'm writing for my column. I think this is a very important first step to see how this goes. I think it'll tell us a lot about whether where they can get through these first voluntary workouts without outbreaks uh, will tell us a lot moving forward. But yeah. uh, anyway, well, thanks again, Ben. I sure appreciate you being on the podcast and take care. We'll be talking to you again soon. All right. Thanks a lot, John. 
Okay, thanks again to Ben Roberts for being on the podcast. Check him out on Twitter, Ben Roberts HL. Check out his Next Catch UK recruiting site. Check out all of his work uh, on Kentucky.com and in the print edition of the Lexington Hero Leader. Uh, we appreciate everybody who supports our work by uh, – getting a subscription to the Herald Leader and a digital subscription to Kentucky.com. Uh, if you'd like to consider supporting our work and doing that, uh, please go to Kentucky.com and hit on that subscription button. You can get a sports-only subscription to Kentucky.com, $30 for one year. You get all of Ben's coverage. You get all of Josh Moore's UK football coverage. Like I said, we had a podcast with Josh yesterday talking about uh, the UK football players returning to campus for their voluntary workouts. You get Jerry Tipton's UK basketball coverage. You get our high school coverage uh, from Jared Peck. You get my colleague Mark Story, columnist, all of his coverage as well. That's one year for $30. Like I said, we sincerely appreciate everyone who has supported our work and uh, anyone who would consider supporting our work at the Herald Leader uh, by getting a subscription and a, or a di- digital subscription to Kentucky.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at John Clay IV. Uh, you can find me, you can send me an email, jclay at herald-leader.com. You can find these podcasts on SoundCloud and on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. A, a five-star review would be awfully nice. Uh, that helps get the word out uh, about these podcasts. We're going to have more of these coming up, so stay tuned for that. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate it. We'll be talking to you again soon.